Welcome to the All-in-One Podcast for Middle School Language Arts Teachers. I'm Linda, and I've been a teacher for over 30 years. I can help you with tips, tricks, and motivation that will simplify your planning, streamline your teaching, and enjoy more free time. Well, hey there, it's Linda. I hope all is going well in your world and that you are enjoying your summer if you are still on summer break. I am so excited to continue with our Back to School series. This is the third episode in the series. If you didn't listen to the other two, we talked about three things that you can do now in the summer from home to make your life much easier and actually less stressful. And in the second episode, I laid out a clear plan to set up your language arts classroom. I know we hate talking about back to school in July, but the reality is it is a reality. And if we do nothing, it stresses us. So if you are feeling stressed and want some easy remedies, start with the first two episodes. And I do want to tell you, I really am all about keeping it simple and getting the most bang for your buck. Okay, so you really should check out the first two episodes as well. Um, Today, we're going to be discussing setting up your library corner. Before we begin, I want to make sure that you know that I will be mentioning a few valuable freebies. They will all be linked in the show notes for your convenience, so don't forget to check them out. I also really want to encourage you to join my email list. I know the last thing that anybody needs is another email, but I will tell you some of the things that I do is send you emails when there is a sale, when there is a new product that might be of interest to you is posted, and most importantly, I create a lot of freebies. Um, This teacher... Business is, it's a lot of work and it's hard to get an audience and you really have to give somebody something if you want them to come along with you at the beginning. So I would love to have you as a subscriber and I will be sending you future freebies when you are on that list. Okay, so like I said in episode two, we talked about setting up your classroom and I spoke about the importance of a classroom library. I talked about how important it is and why you really do actually need a library corner in your middle school room. If it's set up correctly, it will be functional and inviting. I also understand that you might be thinking of all the reasons that you really can't manage a classroom library. I get it. I really, really get it. You might not even have a decent amount of books, which is, let's face it, shameful. I mean, when I hear about teachers struggling to get books, I mean, books, people. I just can't wrap my head around the priorities. Don't get me started. I have a a friend who constantly buys her own books, yet her school is building onto their gym and putting in a weight room. And believe me, I'm all for a weight room, but we need some balance here. Okay, rant over for now. <laughs> Books are obviously my passion, and I can talk about all, all day about that. So I'm going to get focused here. I'm going to have to operate under the assumption that you feel that kids reading a variety of books is important 
and it's your job to get them to see the joy in this. I know we shouldn't assume, but I mean, come on, if you don't think that, I venture to say that you're in the wrong line of work. And kids going to libraries is a thing of the past, so it's up to us as their language arts teachers to expose them to the joy that a space that can take, contains books can bring. I also have to operate under the assumption that you have some books already. The books that you have in your library corner should be a good variety, and we will discuss that in a different podcast. Today, though, I want to talk about the physical space and organization. So let's talk about a few th- key things when setting up your library corner. So number one is to choose your space. When I set up my room, and like I said, I talked about this in the last episode, I first set up my student desks. I went into detail about this, but a main point was that desks go up front near the locus of instruction, which for me is my whiteboard. The back of the room is therefore dedicated to some group work tables and my library corner. Because the desks are up front, the only space for my library corner is to the back, and I am lucky because I have built-in bookshelves, so this was the obvious choice for me. So look at your room as a whole. Do you have bookshelves? I really hope you do. Are they built in? Are they movable? Where will your desks go? I have dedicated a quarter of my room for my library corner, and it is a space where kids can go to snuggle up and read and also write. And yes, middle school kids still love the idea of being cozy. My kids clamor to get in there, and it is because of the way I design it and the way I inherently treat it like some sort of nirvana, and it rubs off on them. So when you pick your space, consider these three things. First, keep it near bookshelves if possible. If you don't have bookshelves, and again, what in the world are we doing in these schools, people? Um, But you could make makeshift shelves with cubbies, crates, anything to house books. And speak up. Your principal will hopefully help you with this. For me, I wanted some low bookshelves that were movable as well as my built-ins, and I was allowed to send out a staff email asking if anyone had any that they weren't using. And guess what? I got three of them right away. And my principal placed an order for another. And I know that you might not be in this situation in your school, but it is worth a shot. I really believe that, unfortunately, we have to be advocates for our own rooms and our kids. Just be sure to do this in a super respectful way without saying, I need. (laughs) Better to say, my kids need. So, for example, my kids need a better organized library and more room for books. Is there any way you can help us with this? And I bet you that if you have a principal who is in any way student-centered, that they will listen and at least try to help you. The other thing to keep in mind when you pick your space is to keep it away from the locus of instruction. And the third thing is to keep it away from your door if possible. I know you're not going to probably have the perfect storm here, but try to get as much as you can in those three things. 
Okay, so on to the next thing to do to create your space is that you want to define the space. I highly, highly recommend defining the space, not only figuratively, but literally. I use a rug and a low bookcase to section off a space. Be sure not to put up anything that's too high. This is for obvious reasons. It can be dangerous and we don't want kids hiding back there. Um, that could be a real recipe for disaster with the middle school crowd. If you don't have low movable bookcases, you're going to have to again get creative. Perhaps you have low cubbies. When I taught kindergarten, I had this massive space for my library. And I actually, I, I was young and crazy back then. I purchased low garden fencing to block it off. I was a bit insane back then and was obsessed with my room, but I will tell you it was adorable. And I had this garden of books theme, but you know, it was kindergarten, so it was all, it was all good. Like I said, something simple like crates can work really well. And if it's looking kind of sad, talk about it at back to school night because sometimes parents, depending on where you work, might be happy to donate something. You would definitely want to check with your principal on that. And I mean, you don't want to sound desperate to your parents, but there's nothing wrong with telling parents that your library corner is a work in progress, you're very passionate about it. If they have anything at home that they'd like to donate, you would be happy to give them a good home. And again, just run this by your admin before you do this. I also, I also highly recommend a rug to define the space. I got my beautiful rug through a PTO mini grant, and I am the master at looking for resources. And if you look hard enough, there is usually some way to get at least some of what you want, especially at the beginning of the year. I opted for a rug that had little books bordering it, and it was really cute, but I was a bit concerned at first that it would look juvenile, but it really didn't as everything surrounding it had a very middle school vibe. So the rug went against a wall that was lined with bookshelves. It went against another wall that had the same level bookcases and were um, by the windows, and a third makeshift wall somewhat in the center of my room with another low wall of bookcases. So that's three walls of bookcases one of those walls were built in. Then I took a couch idea. I was lucky enough um, to get a couch for my room and that was the fourth side of my library corner. I mean it was a school grade couch meaning that it was it was I think it was it's vinyl but it looks kind of like leather so it could be cleaned. I got it when our principal asked if we had any big ticket items for the budget and I wrote an email describing how this is going to enhance literacy in my room. And I can be very convincing. I absolutely love the way it really sections in the library corner in a very functional way. Then there's obviously a nice gap between the couch and the bookshelf so you can easily enter the library corner. There was also even room for my large rocking chair and the other gap by the wall. I got that rocking chair from my neighbor who actually had it out to trash and I'm telling you this thing was beautiful. Um, and the kids love, love, love this space. 
Like I said, it takes up about a quarter of my room and it is in the right corner away from the door. I actually have to make a schedule of who gets to work in the library corner during reading and writing workshop times. And I make it very, very simple and post it because they love being in there. I let in about eight kids at a time and cycle them through the week. And on, Mon on Fridays, I do a random drawing as to who goes in there. It works well, and I don't mind that little extra bit of work to schedule it because I want them associating the library corner with all positive ideas. If there are other work times during the week, I do just pick randomly on, I don't know if you've heard of Class Dojo. I don't use it a lot, but it does have a random uh, selector, and that really helps me out. I found that scheduling them and doing that random selection not only helps me, but it further indicates to them that this is a special place because you have to actually wait your turn to use it and it has value. Okay, the third thing I'd like to talk about is organization. You have to decide on a book organization system. So once you have your space and your bookshelves or crates or whatever you are using, you'll want a system for your books. When I first got in my big book order, I decided to do it the way it's done in a real library by genre and then within that alphabetizing by author's last name. Going by genre worked out perfectly, but putting books in by author's last name was a disaster. I don't know what I was thinking. Kids would be looking up the author's last name at their desk on their Chromebook and then forgetting it by the time they got over to the library or they if they wrote it down, they spelled it incorrectly and couldn't find it. I mean, it's actually absurd when I think about it. So I kept the genre idea because we do units and I, I do a historical fiction unit. I do a, um, a realistic fiction unit. So I have it organized by that. Um, but I alphabetize it by title, and I don't use the words the or a when alphabetizing. So, for example, the title The Outsiders would go by O for outsiders and not T for the. I also do book clubs, so I have sets of books, and I obviously kind of chunk them all together. All right, number four goes kind of, it's kind of goes along with number three with your organization. You have to decide on how kids will take out books. Well, I made this way more complicated than it needed to be. I mean, over the years, I have simplified my life so much. But as a new teacher, let me tell you, I thought that putting in all this time and making this elaborate system was just amazing. And honestly, it, it doesn't work. So what I did first is I used an index card system. I actually put little library envelopes in the back. I ordered them on my school order. I put in all the book info and then they filed the card in a file box when they took it out. Sounds reasonable, right? Well, it took forever to set up. And then the kids would just forget to do it. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but I would say, did you remember to file your card? And some of them would just sit there and stare blankly at you and you would see that they didn't file their card. And it just was taking up so much of my energy and time and it really wasn't worth it at the end.
The next thing that I tried was something that I spent a ridiculous amount of time creating, and it was an online book checkout system. Now, hear me out because I did keep it in the end with some modifications. I will tell you it was so laborious <laughs> that I actually hired my daughter, who was probably in her late teens at the time, to help me and I paid her. <laughs> I used something called BookSource, maybe you've heard of it, and I'll link it down in the show notes. It's a re- it is a really great system, but when I did it, and maybe they've gotten better now, it, it just took a lot of time. Um, then the same type of problem occurred. Kids forgot to sign it out, they forgot to digitally return it, Honestly, I don't know what is going on with this generation, but they are way too stimulated and they just are not focusing on what you're telling them to do, even when it's something very simple. But I have to say it was worth doing in the end because they could browse digitally as well. So if we were starting a new unit on, say, historical fiction, one of my first homework assignments is to browse the books online and come up with three that you'd like to do. Okay, so it makes it very, uh, very effective for kids to narrow down their choices, which is important when you have, I have a very big classroom library, so that was very helpful. And BookSource is awesome because you can put in genres, you can put in descriptions, but it is very time consuming. I would recommend it to be something that you do, but do it little by little and don't plan to actually use the whole thing in the first year, but I would do one unit at a time, okay? And I did put in descriptions for every book, and I cheated. I used Goodreads for their descriptions and, you know, edited them down a little bit. And then I did something that was crazy. I assigned every single book a digital number. So if you borrowed, say, a copy of The Book Thief, I knew which copy you actually took because each one was categorized um, digitally. So in the end, I used BookSource. I encouraged them to sign it out there. But to tell you the truth, I also just open up a a Google Doc and I'll say, you know, like, group one, what's the title of your book? And I'll write it down. And then I cross it out old school style when they return it. So a combination works best for me. Um, I also keep a crate for book returns. So Either I or usually a helpful student or two can return books to the proper location. And I I have found for me, I grab a couple of kids who are looking for something to do during homeroom and asking them to do that. And and kids like to do stuff like that, at least in sixth grade they do. I'm not sure there is a perfect system for a classroom library, but this works for me. And I hope that some of those points will help you. The last thing I would like to talk about when setting up your classroom library is the fun part, which is your aesthetic and your decor. So the decorative touches. I would say don't worry about this at the beginning. It is not something that you need to focus on before school starts because you're going to have enough to do before school starts. And you can just do it as the year goes along and you get inspired to do so. But some things to consider when adding decor. First, I love my beanbag chairs, and I love them because my kids love them. I have two of them, and the kids just can't wait to get 
onto them. Again, this was part of a PTO grant. I do remember buying bean bags from Walmart when I taught kindergarten, and they were pretty cheap. And I'm not suggesting that you use your own money, but I am guilty of this as well. And I know when I have it, when I have to have it, I have to have it. I purchased really cute pillows with book designs on them on Amazon because I just really wanted them. And if you do purchase pillows, heads up, you definitely want something where you can take them, you know, unzip them and take the cloth part home and wash them a couple of times a year. I'm also a stickler for lighting. Um, I had a, a long-term concussion a couple of years back and overhead lighting is not my friend. And I am, I've never really liked overhead lighting, especially for little kids. And it just seems like it's not really the best scenario. So I love to have my own lamps. Um, I absolutely had to have one of those multicolor Medusa lights. And I don't regret that $20 that I spent on it at all because the vibe that it gives off in my room is really very, very sweet. I also have a little lamp that I was going to discard from home and put that on a bookcase. I even bought little battery-operated candles from Dollar Tree. And again, I just don't like that harsh lighting of overhead lights, so I do try to use lamps at least some of the time in my room. And the kids love it as well. In fact, they're like, can you turn off the lights and put the lamps on? And I totally get it because I, I think there's some, maybe even something developmental with their eyes. I, I'm no doctor, but they all seem to shy away from those overhead lights. So when you're doing any other little decorative touches, you know, you can put up your little I love reading signs and posters to set the stage. But one thing I would definitely recommend to you is some sort of reading bulletin board. And I spoke a little bit about this in my last podcast. Um, if you listened to my last two podcasts, you know that I hate setting up bulletin boards. Oh, Lord, do I hate it. And I, I don't know why, but I just absolutely do. So for me, if I'm setting up a bulletin board, there are two things that it has to be. It has to be functional and it has to be year round because no way am I redoing that in the middle of the year. So I make mine a reading review bulletin board and I have kids fill out little reading reviews that I have all printed and ready in a basket for, I try to keep enough for, you know, like a half a year at a time so that they're always on the ready. And as they finish a book, they fill out the review and it's, it's very simple to do and they hang it up. Um, and then kids can also look at it to get recommendations for books and we talk about you know, people who have similar interests to you or, or similar like reading buddies and people who like to read the same kinds of things that you do. Um, I And I want to tell you too that I made a TPT product of this because I, I liked it so much. And it has all of the lettering, the little decorative pieces and the reading reviews all attached. And it's pretty inexpensive. So you would be all set for the year with that. And I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Okay, the books, um, the books, though, I want to say in your library corner are the star of the show, so you don't need a whole lot extra, but obviously feel free to add your little decorative touches and personalize it. 
So that's it, setting up your library in these five easy steps and knowing that you can do it gradually as the year goes on and don't stress yourself about it. Just get your space defined and everything else can happen gradually. I would love to hear how you set up your library corner and any thoughts or obstacles that you face. So please drop a comment. And be sure to tune in next week because we are going to be talking about what to consider when setting up your classroom expectations. It is so crucial to do this from the get-go, so you don't want to miss that episode. I hope this information was helpful. Be sure to check the links that I mentioned in the show notes. My email is available there as well in case you have questions or comments. You can also DM me on Instagram at all-in-one-middle-school. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.